0: Welcome to Alternative Dog Moms Podcast. I'm Kimberly Gauthier, the creator of Keep the Tail Wagging. For the past nine years, I've been blogging about raw feeding, pet wellness, and life as a crazy dog mom. I've seen massive improvements in my dog's health since I started raising my dogs naturally, and I'm passionate about sharing my experience to help other pet parents.
1: I'm Erin Scott. For the past nine years, I've been researching and learning everything I can about healing cancer, allergies, autoimmune, and mystery illnesses in both my dogs and myself, and I can't wait to share with you everything I've learned on this journey. As the Alternative Dog Moms, we're bringing you all the latest dog health news that we're following and sharing the tips, tricks, and resources we learn along the way. Now, let's get started. Hello, Kimberly. Hello, Erin. So we are joined by some very special guests today. So we have the OG godfather of raw feeding here, Dr. Ian Billinghurst. It's such a pleasure and honor to have you join us today.
2: Thank you so much. It's lovely to be here with such beautiful people.
1: (laughs) And we have Rob Ryan of Gussie's Gut. Welcome.
3: Hey,
0: guys. It's so wonderful to have you guys. This is so exciting to both of us because... We are we've been doing this blog for close to 2 years now. I think we're coming up on our 2 year.
3: Congratulations. Um, and,
1: yes. <laughs> and I've had my yeah. books since about 2009. <laughs> yes, and it's it's funny because,
0: you know, I have been feeding raw since I started in 2013, actually April in 2013. And you know, like many people, my impetus was I had a sick dog and a veterinarian telling me that my dog wouldn't live long past his third birthday. And thankfully, you know, I was a blogger. So I was already in social media, in the blogging community. i hearing mostly actually out of the cat side, mm. cat bloggers were talking about raw feeding And um, every now and then I would hear about people who were like, oh yeah, I just go and buy a chicken and throw it in the yard and give my dog a chicken. And I'm just like, what, what? And um, that's when I was introduced to Dr. Ian Billinghurst and give your dog a bone. And it was, to me, it was like, it made so much sense that it couldn't be that easy. That was kind of how I looked at it. But the more people I spoke to, there seemed to be two camps, people who were making it a little more complicated than it need to be. And people who were like, oh yeah, making it so simple. And yet they had dogs that were, you know, didn't have any of the health issues that you hear about and they weren't spending tons of money. It wasn't super complicated. So I gave it a go. And the dog that was supposed to die shortly after his third birthday actually passed away a few months ago at 13 and a half. Um, with EPI, he had EPI. He had allergies. He had digestive issues. He had all of these things, and he still survived ten years longer than that veterinarian predicted.
3: That was Rodrigo.
0: Yeah, that okay. was her
1: Rodrigo. Yeah,
2: yeah. Kimberly, you don't need me. You've you've just said it all.
0: <laughs> Thank you, guys. Yeah, we can joining. go now. <laughs> Thank you for joining this podcast.
2: <laughs> Actually, you've given my it message. It's. It is so simple, and uh, all those problems quietly disappear because they're yeah. all caused, to the largest extent, by processed pet food.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh,
2: goodbye. <laughs>
0: so, my first question is, of course, going to be because you know, actually, you know, I took uh, Dr. Connor Brady's course this weekend, and Love Connor. one thing that he said was that. He's When he started looking at the raw feeding, it was in Australia. You know, people were talking about it in Australia. So, Dr. Billinghurst, what was it, what was your connection to, like, fresh food is the way to go with our dogs?
2: Uh, My connection goes way back um, to my childhood because I read books about dogs. And in those books, they all lived in the wild and ate real food. That was the first connection. the second thing was that my parents never allowed me to own dogs or cats. They were not animal people. And so I had this huge craving for these. So when I first became um, married at the terribly young age of 22, always a mistake, but we're out in the bush and we we got dog. I got my first dog. Her name was Candy. What do we feed her? Well, bones from the butchers and scraps from our tables, of course. And as a young wild man, it let loose in the bush with a gun at 22, which I could not do now, let me tell you, shooting yeah. rabbits for the family and for myself and the dogs. And she went out and she ate kangaroo poop and sheep and pigs, and because we were keeping pigs at the time. You gods, I kept pigs there for a while. Um, that's what was my beginning. And I was thinking as you spoke that you started raw feeding. Um, Kimberly, when, when did you start raw?
0: 2013.
2: I started in 1969 with <laughs> my first dog.
0: <laughs> That's crazy. I was born two years later.
2: You've <laughs> just given your age away. You should never do that. <laughs> we're, we're the same age. <laughs> Uh,
0: It's it's crazy because, you know, again, I I grew up with dogs. My father had, he was a real big dog person, but my father was like you, where he, he fed the dogs bones and, you know, scraps. And of course, at the time it was insane, you know, and people would just be, oh, well, that's just how Walter is. And I didn't, I had two households. So my dad's household, things were done this way at my household. Our dog, my dog ate kibbles and bits. And basically whatever we had a coupon for and what was on sale, my dog was extremely obese. Um, and he died at probably seven years old, I think. Mm. But we did, I mean, that was just the way it was. You know, if your dog died, you just go get another dog. Yeah. it's just it. And so when, as an adult, when I started getting dogs again, I went with what I knew, and what I knew was you went to the store and you got dog food. You bought the dog food that had a whole chicken on the bag because that meant that that was what was in the bag, and you bought them on the higher shelves because the higher shelves was the high quality dog.
1: It was the good stuff, yeah. Yes,
0: exactly. (laughs) You know, um, don't worry about reading the ingredients because they they're required to use the scientific terms for the things. I don't know who requires that, but so it's not bad. It's okay, and yeah. um, and it's funny because looking back now, I mean, I I have a lot of empathy towards people who do feed kibble, and when people say I don't understand how people can do that, I I completely understand because the marketing um, of these companies is so beautifully done that you know it convinced us for decades to feed this way.
2: But but you'll perception is exactly the same as your veterinary surgeon's perception.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: They don't – they leave it. Sure, they might be able to look at the bag and maybe read some of that stuff, but even they really wouldn't understand what they're reading in terms of what they're doing. They have exactly the same perception as you because they have been marketed to brilliantly by the people who teach them, the pet food companies, um, I, you can't blame anybody because we – and it's not even a conspiracy theory. It's, it's, it just is. Yes. It's, and yeah. so your vet expects dogs to be obese, develop pancreatic insufficiency, kidney failure, arthritis. That's normal. That's what dogs do, apparently. Allergies.
0: That's what I was oh, told
2: about Dr. Rodrigo.
0: I was told that you know it's totally normal for him to always have loose stool and diarrhea. It's totally normal for him to be. He was twenty pounds overweight, but it was to... he was seventy pounds. No, he was ten pounds overweight. He was seventy pounds, and um, my other dog, his sister, was she was about fifteen or so pounds overweight. But according to my first vet, that was. They were perfectly normal. It wasn't until people started judging me on social media for my fat dogs that I realized, oh, and, you know, but, you know, you don't, you don't know when everyone around you, when all of our dogs look the same, they're all eating the same things. And our veterinarians are all telling us the same things. Why would we question someone who went to school to learn this stuff? Why would we ask them questions? I think it were it not for social media, Rodrigo probably wouldn't be with us today hmm. because that was the only thing that inspired me to start asking questions was hearing from people who were not in my community, but were in different parts of the world who were doing different things and seeing what they were doing and, and, and me being curious about it.
2: Can you imagine what would happen to the veterinary profession if all dog owners in the Western world at least started to think about feeding real food to their dogs? It would be an incredible paradigm shift. It would have to be an incredible shift for those veterinarians. They would have to rearrange their mind because even they could not get past the fact that these dogs were so healthy. And they didn't have the problems that they were formerly seeing. I, I just, and it really staggers me that as a profession, we are so blind to the dogs that come in in front of us. And I, I still hear it today. The person comes in with a raw fed puppy, it might be, or say puppy, might be four or five months old now, looking brilliant. The vet says, what are you feeding it? They, they explain a raw diet if they're game. And the bed says, "Oh my goodness, you're going to kill that dog!" And <laughs> they've just explained how healthy it was. It was. They cannot see. It's. It's. That blows my mind. That as a intelligent people, we cannot see what's right before our eyes. Anyway, I continue to be amazed at, all, <laughs> at my profession. I, I'm, and I'm not, at times I get very ashamed of it that that it's so poor. In its approach to nutrition, it's unbelievable. Anyway, sorry, I interrupt and digress.
0: Please. Were you going to say something, Erin?
1: Oh, you know, I was just thinking about how, you know, it took me going through like my own health issues and having to go outside the paradigm of what I was being told and then realizing oh, I just completely made myself better after going through a year of tests and all these things, pills that weren't working. And I feel like it takes like a bravery to kind of start being like, oh, okay, if it's not working for me, like this isn't working for my dogs. And then you start looking, you know, I think social media has played such a role in people talking about raw food because you're looking you know for other people who have done this because it's not kind of like what you're being told by the guy in the white coat that went to the school and it's scary for for lay people to be like well what do i know you know i work in marketing or whatever you know i'm just doing what i'm told kind of kind of thing and so i think that 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 is interesting how social media is playing this role in kind of spreading the word right now about the success that people are having with with changing going outside the the conventional paradigm
0: yeah I mean, and also, so this brings us to the DIY raw feeding course, which it's funny because many of us, if you've been feeding raw for five years or longer, you figured it out on your own with the help of social media. And some of this was, if, if I knew what I knew today, 10 years ago, I mean, I, the, <laughs> it's so easy. It's so easy, but... What I see today, like it's funny, 10 years ago, people t- tried to convince me it was so easy. I did not believe them, but then people started making it complicated. And I believe that, <laughs> but it became so complicated that I didn't want to do it anymore. So I went back to the easy people and that's where I've stayed where it's, it's not rocket science. It, you know, we, you don't need a PhD to feed your dog. Um, but what I'm noticing today is there's a lot of fear within learning how to feed raw, where the questions that I get from people are, okay, well, I'm going to do this and this, what supplements do I need to add? And they're expecting this laundry list of supplements to meet all these nutritional needs. And when I tell them, oh no, 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 they get all of their stuff from the food. Uh, they're just blown away. and, Because, and I think it's because we still, we still are thinking with a kibble mindset that we need, we're going to feed our dogs, but we need this long ingredients list in order to make sure we're meeting their nutritional needs. And I don't
1: think we're used to nutrient dense foods either.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so I was really excited to see the DIY. So what made you decide to come up with a DIY course?
2: Oh, Rob told me I had to.
0: <laughs> well done, Rob.
2: <laughs> um I from the word go, this whole idea of raw has been spread through social media in nineteen I published Give You Dog a Bone I released it on the seventeenth of November nineteen ninety-three at a Bichon Frise conference. And by 19, and, and I advertised it in all the canine journals of every state in Australia, and I sold out within six months the first printing of 3,000 books. Um, in fact, I it went so quickly, and I'd spent um, probably two years, or well, no, less than that, but I'd actually pretty well abandoned practice to write this book. So I never wanted to talk about it again, by the way. So, but I had gone broke. So, the money that we got in from the book, I then started to pay back debt. And I um, remember I was selling everything to, to, to just to stay afloat after I'd written the book. And then I needed to write another, do another, another uh, edition, the second edition. I had no money, I didn't have the capacity to borrow money. Anyway, I had just met this lovely young girl, just met her, and she had just received an inheritance. Now, she met this vet, this divorcee vet, and she was in a similar boat, and he immediately wanted to take her money that she'd just got. It was literally the same amount that I required for that second printing and take that money from her and use it to print this book that, that, that she had no idea about. Except I had given it a copy of it on our first date. Anyway, <laughs> we went to some friends of hers, and we signed a, an agreement in front of the friends, and she made the, more money out of that edition than I ever made in in one lot. But anyway, we went on and we joined forces, and she is my darling wife today, of course. Um, what was the question?
0: <laughs> <laughs> Why the DIY course?
2: Oh, okay, yes. Well, that's right. And I was talking in about 1995, it was, somebody came to me and said, do you realize that there's this whole thing going on? The internet had just started. And they said they're talking about raw food. And I got on there and I saw, and there were these, they were like evangelistic Christians talking, people who had embraced what was in the book. And there were other people, and and there were these flaming things going on where they would talk badly about each other. Still is. I I can't get into any of this. Anyway, I walked away from that. But very soon I was invited to go to England, and from there – um we we did uh, four major cities in england the next year i was invited to go to america on the basis of this book and we spent three months in america touring right across america two and three day seminars the book took off and the whole idea took off because it was simple now if i'd have given them something that required spreadsheets and computers which, by the way, I can't do anyway, so it doesn't really matter. I'm not, in, not interested in that. I'd, I'd figured out this very simple way, and, and I wrote Gibby Your Dog a Bone. Um, by the way, it took me about six months to work out that the introduction didn't have to contain the whole book until a client of mine pointed that out to me. Anyway, <laughs> that's another story. And so w- w- this was happening right across the market. It was happening. It was so simple, and I, was, I remember going to, I've, in fact, my APDT lecture on raw food is actually up on youtube um, that very one of those very first lectures but it was so simple but then i've noticed over the last 10 15 maybe 20 years everybody's made it complicated and people are making i guess money out of it being complex so that they can sell what is something complex and they can sell their ideas their knowledge their diets and and i and i have long thought we really do have to do something about this. But until I met Rob, I didn't know how I could do it because I really didn't have a voice out there. The book, the book had done its work. Raw was off. It had had a life of its own. But here I was. Anyway, Rob actually approached me with um, his gussies gut. When I saw that, I said, yes, this is brilliant because this is, this is the kind of the missing link of what I've been saying for a long time because I've talked about dogs raiding garbage cans, eating poop the coprophagic, all that stuff, burying bones and and, and fermented foods. So I joined with Rob as an advisor to this company, which is great, and it's just grown from there. So when he suggested this course, I said yes. Now, currently it's nearly killing me, I might add, um, (laughs) doing it, but I believe it's going to be a worthwhile legacy for an old man who still has a lot to say, apparently, Uh, and I'm very pleased to be saying it through this course because I am virtually trying to put my mind out there. Thank God, not all of it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and explain the simplicity of this almost in a complex way. Because I've got, I've got it all written down here um, and, it's, and it's all in my computer, each, each lecture and, and each idea. And it's going really well and I'm actually reading some of my words from way back then for the first time. Oh, my goodness, that's not bad. Who wrote this? <laughs> oh, right. all <laughs> my time. wife says, oh, loving yourself again, Ian. I'm, not really, but anyway. <laughs> so, so there's the course. Um, it is there to t- teach people how simple it is, but sometimes to teach simplicity you have to go into a fair bit of detail. And then, I, then I tell people, but you don't have to know all that. You just have to do this. You don't have to know the details because the cybernetic mechanisms, the homeostatic mechanisms that go on between food that a dog is designed by evolution to eat, the the mechanisms that are involved between the food itself, the biochemistry of the food, the physiology of the animals, the feedback mechanisms within cells to make it all work, they're absolutely complex beyond belief. And we are only we are only touching the surface of how all that works, looking at the genome, looking at pathways, biochemical pathways, looking at how food works with the with the well yes with the genome of the microbiome, so there's multiple genomes I mean on and on this is this is complex beyond description, but you can override all of that simply by feeding the food they evolved to require. And suddenly, hey, presto, all those problems just quietly start to disappear. Yeah. And this is the simplicity of it. And it's like a person who, who decided they wanted to be their home mechanic and they're going to make remake all the parts for their car. Why would you do that? What you got to do is go out and buy the manufacturer's actual genuine spare parts and suddenly it all works again. You don't have to reinvent the wheel every day because it's being invented by evolution. Over millions of years, and somebody in the background says, "Shut up, Ian! It's time to stop talking. Let somebody else have a go." <laughs> so, so, but that's 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 the thing. I did it because it needs to be done, um, and I figure, as I look at people talking about this, I actually think I'm probably the right person to do it. So I'm doing it.
1: So, is this available now?
2: It sure is. Okay. Um, we, we've actually because. Um, I'm actually producing this in real time. We're drip-feeding it out to those who who are, um, who are have enrolled and, and okay. now quite a few is growing. And I have somebody from Rob's office on my back with a whip saying, you've got this one to do now and this is your deadline. And um, thank goodness I've got that because I think anybody who, whatever field you're in, you need deadlines and you need somebody with a whip. And away we go.
1: <laughs> and so is this like an online platform where you log in and you watch the videos? I, I haven't seen the website yet.
2: Well, well you, you explain the, the process because yep. I, I, I occasionally log in and, and it's only me talking and I don't really want to watch that. So, Sure, sure.
3: Well, <laughs> it's great to be here with you guys. Uh, really, like, I'm a, I'm a fan of your podcast. listen to it many times. Thank you. Um, I want to... First, just say that a lot of things I heard today I agree with. And one of the main reasons to answer the question that we created this course was just pretty much I think the any any reason that you create anything which is you know it's out of a a need, a serious need. Yep. What we saw, we were doing our podcast for Gussie's gut, and we were engaging with a lot of people that were as Ian just said, Dr. Billinghurst just said, it's. They, people were doing a really good job of overcomplicating things. And it reminds me, if anybody knows anything about software, it reminds me of like the open source versus the closed source model. So when something's proprietary, you have to use that product, like a Microsoft, let's say, mm-hmm. versus a Linux. Now, I'm not going to get too deep in the woods for those that that I've already lost with that analogy. (laughs) But it's basically what we feel like we are is the Linux version. We're the open source. What we want to do is actually free you from constantly having to re-engage with somebody just to ask them questions here and there. Where people, I think, get lost is uh, when they go to the grocery store and they have to make decisions based on what they can get. They then go, wait a second, this recipe I'm looking at, this spreadsheet I'm looking at, this document I'm like, this doesn't comport with what I can get. Like, what am I supposed to do now? And so over time, people, and it just could be days or weeks, people find themselves out of their depth where – again, this is not complicated. However, to teach simplicity actually does need to be taught because you're, you're dealing with the health of something you care deeply about. Your animal is just everything to you. So what we're doing is teaching the why, why dogs need these things and how you can take that. And over time, just focus on, you know, the, the perfect, we call it perfection over time. Whereas I think there are some people that would rather have you believe that there needs to be perfection every single day or at least every single week in order for your dog to be healthy. And that's what causes anxiety and fear and, and gets everybody you know all nervous about raw feeding. It There's nothing to be nervous about. Now, I was not like Kimberly when I first learned, and I learned from – the best, this gentleman right here. I was referred by Dr. Marty Goldstein to Dr. Billinghurst. And I just started right away. I didn't even read his book. I started right away with consultations. And this was very foreign to me because I grew up in a house. We were feeding Alpo kibble, and we would give like our cooked barbecued spare ribs. They were cooked bones. So I grew up completely the opposite of what I do now. So to give raw bones and to hack up turkeys, I was literally hacking up turkeys. And then to give them the giblets that were in the turkeys, the organs, where I was taught, like, you need to wash your hands like a hundred times when you touch the turkey during Thanksgiving. It's dirty and it could kill you, you know, these this bacteria. We have all of these, these things in our head. That when we bring them to our dog, we don't understand why a dog can eat that, why a dog can handle a, a raw bone, why a dog can handle organs, why a dog can handle raw chicken or poultry. So these things are taught in the in the course and the course is incredibly substantive so that when you leave it you have every tool in your tool belt that you can go anywhere around the world. You could travel, you can go camping, and you'll know exactly how to feed your dog perfectly and you don't need to worry about it. So anxiety, fear and relaxation is really what we're selling. We're selling you the ability to have total absolute confidence in feeding your dog and doing it the right way and doing it the biologically appropriate way.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: I love it's,
2: that. it's a matter of um, principles. Not rules, principles. So, so you can take any situation and say, does this fit in with the basic evolutionary principle of how dogs were, were raised by evolution to, to eat? Does, and you understand implicitly, by the end of this course, those principles and how they apply, and then how simple it all is.
1: So please tell me that there's a unit specifically talking about the raw meaty bones, because I feel like that has been something that, uh, well, it's, you know, that Kimberly and I have both been making a concerted effort to add more of into our dog's diet, but it was kind of scary for a long time because there's so much, you know, you can't do the cooked bones and you shouldn't do the long bones or, you know, there's so much anxiety about that specifically. (laughs) I hope that that is something that you'll definitely be addressing. (laughs)
2: I Absolutely. It, it, from the word go, we talk about that there's dogs being scavengers for a start, but that's what they've always eaten. I talk about it in terms of the fear that people have of bones and the way to approach that. And currently I'm actually working on it from the point of view of uh, basically I've taken the information out of my book, on uh, my chapter on bones in Give Your Dog a Bone because this was the most comprehensive thing on bones. And I think it's it's one of the things that people read back then, then realised just how important they were, and took this up. Unfortunately, today people, a lot of people, think that bones are just calcium substitutes, but there is so much more to them than that. And I'm actually talk, actually going through that lecture right now. Um, and of course, then we talk about how to put all these things together, as as if i i'll just go through this course um first of all i talk about raw basics so there's all those lectures there uh what are there there's 13 of them but they're basically talking about evolution of the dog how and how it evolved and how it evolved to require certain foods and and then i talk about the so-called potential dangers of raw and by the way in the in the evolution of dogs there's five different periods i talk about um, including the, uh, the the well, including the modern pet food era, and not before that, the pet, the, um, the period during which the breeds were developed, and then we go back further uh, during the time when the when wolves started to follow humans, and this is all from mitochondrial evidence. That's that stuff. We look at how the mind of the dog cha- or, or the wolf becoming dog changed, um, and how their eating habits changed and became part of their genome, and particularly over the last 15,000 years. And a lot of work by a fellow called Raymond Coppager, who's passed away just recently, actually. But his work is very important there. Anyway, then I talk about the potential dangers of raw. We talk about balance. We talk about bugs. We talk about bones. I talk about zoonoses, the um, disease problems that can be transmitted from animals to to humans. And then um, I talk about – there's a – period where I talk about foods that spell danger. So we're talking about things like onions and chocolate, and um, macadamia nuts, all that stuff. I go through, through that. That's, the, that's all the potential dangers. Then I go through nutrition itself. So looking at vitamins, minerals, proteins, carbohydrates from an evolutionary perspective. So, we, I, so I, even though I say in the course, you do not need to know anything and you don't about nutrients. You just need to know about food because it's a food-based course. I still take you through that because if you do have a sick dog and you start prescribing very specific foods, it's good to know why you are doing that. So I take you through that. Right now I'm on part four. Um, We're doing all the different – so the first one we talk about in part four is raw meaty bones, then meat itself, then internal organs, vegetables, fruit, dairy, eggs – talk about grains and legumes, how they work together. It's really a matter of a lot of people throughout the world eat grains and legumes because it gives the balance of amino acids. Um, it's interesting too, these so-called non-essential amino acids play incredible roles in the body of their signaling molecules and controlling molecules. So, and I point out this sort of thing all through the course, that AFCO says, oh, they're not important, but they are. So it doesn't matter if they're not there, but it does matter. And this is, this goes on and on. We have this imperfect knowledge, and, I, and, I, go, and I, do a, I, I do a talk on AFCO as well, this imperfect knowledge that we use as the basis for all these spreadsheets and these gurus of raw who, who take this commercial approach and then start to try to marry it up with raw because they don't understand the basics of what they're doing. Their basics have nothing to do with the National Research Council's ideas or AFCO's ideas or FETIAF, nothing. They have everything to do with the biological needs of the dog based on how its genome evolved. Now, this is science at its absolute perfection. We don't have to understand a lot of stuff in science, but it's a good idea to have a look at it understand what we do know, and very much understand what we don't know, but say, hey, I don't have to know what I don't know in this respect, because if I'm feeding what a dog evolved eating, and all the nutrients I know about, the nutrients I don't know about, the nutrients that are not yet have been decided by authorities to be essential, but are, I don't have to know any of that, but it's all there because I've I've included a a wide range of raw whole foods based on evolutionary principles. And I can take that knowledge, as as Rob said, and go anywhere in the world, look at what's in season, what's available, and select from that what is appropriate for my dog. And it's, it's perfection through imperfection, because it's actually important that each meal is not complete and balanced. Organs need a rest. Parts of the body need to just concentrate on one thing at a time. We know that fasting is important. So an interval of time in which dogs don't eat. It's also important not to schedule food every day at the same time because the body starts to expect that. And when it doesn't arrive, problems develop because the acids in the stomach, for example, are all pouring out expecting food and causing problems because there's no food there to deal with it, on and on. If we look at whatever happens in evolution and say, I'm going to try and mimic that as best as possible for my dog. Now, not in terms of hunting. We're not sending them out to chase down big game in packs because that's dangerous and it's just not on. But what we're trying to do is mimic as best we can in an urban setting the foods that they would have eaten and in the timing, the mere amount, the proportions, all of those things. But we're not going to get stressed about it because it doesn't really matter. We know that in the wild that nobody was feeding up a rabbit at four o'clock in the afternoon and another one at three o'clock or seven o'clock in the morning or whatever. None of that was happening. So we don't get stressed about it. It's balance over time, it's perfection through imperfection, it's fasting if if you don't have the food. If you've run out of um, maybe you're making bath patties, supposedly, and all you have left now are some raw meaty bones, chicken necks, or something, or wings. You can feed those for a week. It doesn't matter. Now, your dog may get a little bit consto. Well, okay, so you can throw in a bit of healthy oil, a bit of cod liver oil, whatever, whatever. Sorry, not cod liver, olive oil, extra virgin cold press. But it's this understanding of how to approach feeding your dog. And and the most Probably the most telling thing is when I say to people, do you have a spreadsheet for the family, for yourself, for every meal? Is that how you do it? Do you go to a restaurant and say, this is my spreadsheet, and I demand that you include every nutrient in this spreadsheet when I eat at your... Because if I don't have every meal complete and balanced, I'm going to die of some terrible disease of either... Excess or deficiency? Of course you don't. Nobody does that. So this is this is what I call the guts of the course. you and I, and I have to forgive that expression, but I had we had a lovely teacher back who said well, you have to understand the guts, the dung, and the blood of the faeces. He might have said a worse word than I don't know, of what you're doing as vets. You have to actually get in there and think of animals in real terms and understand what they are and what their requirements are. And so I guess I've had some good teachers to help me get through to the basics of where we should be with our animals and understand very much that AFCO and all those people who are producing a commercial product, have to be able to say that they're legally complete and balanced, that every meal contains all the right nutrients. So what do they do? They set up a system where there's a limited number of supposedly all an animal needs, tick the box legally, and away you go. And I I point out in AFCO too, by the way, that if you want to really pass a test with something that really doesn't pass muster biologically, do a feeding trial. In six months, the the worst food that you could possibly produce just about will pass an AFCO feeding trial. But the warning is don't do anything outside the parameters that they ask you to do. Do exactly what they do because if you do something else and it doesn't exactly fit in, and, for example, BUN or creatinine, which doesn't fit in when a dog is raw fed to their neat little box of where it should sit they will say oh you failed the test even though you've passed their parameters so there's all this all this practical stuff I'm telling people in the course and it's so important that they realize that you don't have to do follow these commercial norms you have to follow biological norms and that's really that's what the course is about, but it takes a long time and many different subjects to get that across. Um, towards the, the, end
3: the, of- the, the importance of a course, for everybody, if I can just interject really quick, yeah. the importance of a course is this man has 40 years and, a, and more of all of this knowledge, and what we've tried to do is distill it into a very easy 20 minutes a day if that's all you can give to learning about your dog's food and getting it so that it's so simple for you to learn over time and then take action on it. And then on top of that, in fact, tomorrow we have a live Q&A with Dr. B and myself. So every month we do a live video Q&A with our students so anybody who enrolls can get on and ask very specific questions. And If you think you've got something that's an outlier, you know, with your golden doodle who won't eat chicken and blah, 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 we'll come up with a solution for you. Um, and I, what, what what we're designing this to be is a way to take you from this high anxiety, high worry, high concern to, you know what, I got this. And Dr. B, if you go on his website right now, you go all over on all the, from his book down to all of his lectures, he says something over and over again, which, which is it's absurdly simple. But it reminds me of something my martial arts instructor used to say to me. He used to say, common sense is only common to those who have it. And if you don't think something simple, you will immediately go to, well, I don't understand it. I'm going to make this complicated so that uh, it justifies me either not getting into it or doing something that is, it is easy in the short term, but long-term I'm just going to be tied to it forever. So a lot of these, these, you know, recipes and these spreadsheets and things, what people are really doing is they're creating a kibble, um, they have a kibble mentality with real food, but they're creating these perfectly like boxes are checked, same amount of zinc, same amount of vitamin A, but, you know, it's so on and so forth. And I mean, that's a great upgrade from kibble, but is it biologically appropriate? I think that's the differentiator, which is you can go from kibble to real food to biologically appropriate, species appropriate. That's where we play. We believe that's where longevity is and health span live. They live with the species and, and designing a a diet that's species appropriate.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's funny because everything that you guys are saying is, is so very true because, you know, as um, someone who constantly, I I constantly promote that I'm feeding raw and easy way. I'm that I want to keep it simple. So I do get, the questions from people who are like, yeah, I would like it to be simple too. But what's interesting to me is the questions that I get where, uh, they're diving deeply into something and, and uh, what you said, making it so much more complicated than it needs to be where it's just like, it's, it's not that deep. It's really quite simple. I mean, you don't, I, you know, I tell me you don't have to do what I do, but, um, You also don't need to make it so complicated, you know, where, you know, where you're now afraid to feed your dog because it's now become so hard or expensive.
3: But it's, this is the same thing as the diet industry. Same, Mm -hmm. same exact thing. I mean, we have so many apps to teach us how to diet and what, what's happening here is nobody has to do anything. Everybody gets to do what they want. And I think the kibble industry should get its fair due it feeds a hundred million animals because let's let's face it there are not a hundred million people that want to feed raw there's not and if we want to fool ourselves and think that a hundred million people um will will convert to raw we can but you know, we have to let people come to the, we have to let them know what exists. We have to let them know that there is a biologically appropriate way to feed an animal. And if they want to come, they come. And if not, I'm just happy those animals are in their homes and they're being fed and they're living with them. And, you know, everybody deserves a love of an animal. And, um, so, but the way I feel about it is if you want, the, the absolute pinnacle of nutrition and you want a dog that lives with both health span and lifespan, come over to Biologically Appropriate and it's not going to be difficult. You know, you're going to you're going to you'll make some mistakes. They're not going to be critical at all. You know, a mistake is like, you know, a day of diarrhea, if that,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
3: and it's not the end of the world. And it happens. It just happens. But it also happens with kibble. Mm-hmm so what, what are we, what are we worried about here? You know? Um, and I'm, I'm concerned about quality. Here's what I'm concerned about with kibble. And here's what I'm concerned about with over formulating diets. It's the affle- the, 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 the fungals and the, um, the oxidation of oils in these, in these kibbles and all these really nasty things, forget the recalls. Those exist. But day to day to day, we know these things sit on shelves for over a year. The, all, all the stuff that's in them, they they become toxic. They oxidize. And then with real food that's formulated, um, you know, there's lots of variation in the quality of supplements. You know, and if you want to, you know, start your dog young, I mean, I don't start my dogs on supplements until they become like in the geriatric range, um, it's all whole food based because I don't want what supplements do to the gut long-term, you know, creating this like supplement soup in the gut. Why, why start my three-year-old or four-year-old or five-year-old or six-year-old on that? I'd rather start them at, you know, nine, 10, 11, 12 as needed. And, I, and just be really careful about when you need those, great, there's some things you can't get, you know, for example, uh, you know, if you're uh, the, the myos supplement for which, which is out of uh, eggs created out of eggs, and I think is stellar, it's whole food. Um, but I don't need to start it early, I'll start it when I need it, you know, so just using things uh, prudently uh, over over time, and as needed, I think, you know, the, the, the these mixes of of supplements to balance. um what is that called? Uh, not fair and balanced. What's that called? Complete
1: imbalance.
3: Oh yeah. Complete and <laughs> You know, a complete and balanced is, you know, is like the best marketing term ever. Mm-hmm. And you know, uh, I've never done that. I've had big dogs that lived to 16, super awesome lives, super athletic lives up until the very end. And, um, and they're, they're not afflicted with all these horrible like earaches or, you know, fungal infections and itchy itchiness and all these horrible things that these, you know, poor people have to go to their vet and spend all this money on.
0: Yeah. Well, it's it's funny. It, it always makes me laugh when I see someone in the um, raw feeding community talk about complete imbalance as if we forget that that's what we were trying to get away from that, you know, not long ago we laughed at that as a marketing term, but now people have now adopted it in the raw feeding community. But now that you brought up supplements, I thought that was a great segue to Gussie's gut. Yeah. It's, it's my favorite supplement. Oh, <laughs> oh thanks. God, you it. Yes. Yay. And um, so my just quick fangirl moment on the Gussie's gut is I have a, a nearly five-year-old dog, uh, Apollo, who tested the beginning studies of leaky gut. And Gussie's gut turned him around. I mean, originally I started him just on um, digestive supplements, and I was alternating between different types, you know, um, just to keep everything fresh. Uh, When I first started with Gussie's gut, which was the summer of 2023, He started showing signs of leaky gut again, which for him, it starts with his, he gets an itchy butt and, um, and soft stool, mucusy stool. And so I started, and I didn't even start at the dosage recommended because I never give the dosage recommended of anything. Um, Good for you. I know I'm a, I'm a rebel because I'm just like, yeah, you know,
3: you're, you're a think, you're a thinking dog mom.
0: Well, yeah, I just, I, I figure I just need to work out what his dosage would be. So I started you know uh i think i started maybe twice a day and i went down to once a day i can't remember but within a few days i saw a complete change and with him i you know i know my dog and i know what was was changed and i have now switched to my dogs get Gussie gut in this their evening supplement they only get two supplements and that's their e- evening supplement the morning supplement is a mushroom based one good and um again, I don't give the same, the dosage on the bag. I give what works for him and I do it five days a week. And he, he's, has not had an issue with leaky gut since. And it's one of those where I, I just love the fact that it's fresh food that, you know, it's fermented that, um, it, a one bag lasts forever for three big dogs. So it's, It's one of those and it's and it's allowed me because I mean, I'll say I mean, as a blogger, I can get supplements for either free or very cheap. So it's not like I was breaking the bank buying supplements. But, you know, like Black Friday weekend is usually the weekend where I've set aside hundreds of dollars to stock up on supplements for my dogs for the next year. This was the first Black Friday where I didn't have to do that, and I was lost. <laughs> I did not know what to do because I was prepared to – and I didn't have – I had Gussie's gut, and I had, you know, my mornings so I – did, I didn't eat anything.
2: I'm dying to <laughs> say something.
0: <laughs> Please you're do. Not
2: feeding, you're not feeding supplements. You're just feeding another food.
0: mm mm-hmm. yeah.
2: For, Forget yeah. the word supplements. You, there was a food that was missing. And you popped it in the diet or in the in the food program,
0: and not, it's what I eat it or what they eat. So
2: don't think of these things as supplements, and that's why your thought about uh, the dose on the package. This, if you buy a bag of meat from the butchers, is there a dose rate there? How much you're going to feed your dog? No, there's not. It's food, and you feed what's required. And you work it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You watch your dog. It's like it's like weight. How much food do I feed my dog? And um, you know, and, and there's a there's an answer to that question. And I put in two pictures, and one is one is a dog with all these ribs showing, another one with its gut hanging on the floor. I said that one needs a bit more, and that one needs a bit less. And of course, that's the that's the only approach to take, really.
1: Um, yeah.
2: we're feeding food. We feed the amount and the type of food that produces what we want to see. And we know what we're going to get if we're feeding real food. By the way, we also know what we're going to get if we feed kibble. We're going to get disease over time. Now, if you love your vet and you love going to see the vet and you've got oodles of money and you don't care if your dog is suffering a little bit, feed it kibble. because that'll work. You get to see your vet, you get to spend money, you make your dog suffer. Maybe you didn't like your dog. I don't know. I'm being <laughs> facetious, of course, but really that's what it's all about. Just well, It's common sense. If you feed what they actually need and think of it as food, then they're going to be well. If you feed what they don't need and you understand that you're feeding a poison, that's, by the way, politically correct food, PC, is poison chalice. Um, just think of that. It is so, this whole nutrition business is absurdly simple, isn't it? it
0: yeah, really it is. is. It's saving me so much money. <laughs> it, it, it is really astounding. And, you know, it's. It and me up. I, I love it. And yeah, my dogs are doing great. They...
3: Can I just interject something? Sure. Um, first and foremost, I think the reason Kimberly called it a supplement is because. It's on our package. We call ourselves a supplement. <laughs>
2: um, in, in, yeah, but I, I can disagree with your packaging, right? Yes. Well, you're, <laughs> in, you're in Australia.
3: You're in Australia. Le- so, legally, we, you know, customers uh, have to understand we legally have to give dosage, We, le- whether we want, want to or not. That's right. We legally have to give you directions on the package. If you look at our package, all of the sections, they're essentially legally required. Okay. And so if you are a supplement versus a food and we are not a full and complete food, there's totally different definitions for that. So when people, when customers come to us, we make a very clear distinction. We are a supplement, but we are a supplement made from whole real foods. And so we're really proud of that. And we walk our talk. I mean, this is what we've been talking about today, which is you know, if you find a way to go the whole food route you'll be a happier person and you'll have less vet bills for things that vets don't want don't even know how to treat your dog for vets don't want to treat your dog for those things and they don't know how to treat your dog for a lot of those things except to maybe give him a steroid or uh, an immune suppressant or something like that what vets want to do is keep your dog well and i I think also there was something we somebody touched upon today which was you know your vet doesn't understand, uh, raw food. You can have multiple vets. You can have a vet that deals with broken bones and surgeries. You know, your dog swallows a sock and there's an amazing surgeons out there. You don't need to ask that surgeon about raw food. You can keep it to yourself. You certainly don't need to talk to them about fermented foods. They really won't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and so you can have, you know, people on, uh, Redial on on speed dial, like your, you know, amazing veterinarians that we know we we all pay attention. There's a lot of them. I don't want to not name some of them and, and name some of them, but they're all, they can zoom with you and give you a consult. They can consult with you on your dog's gut health. You know, Dr. Billinghurst personally is available for private consults still. It's just that his private consults are way more than the cost of the course. So that's why we're, we're creating the course for it to be more accessible to everybody. And so they can be free. We just want people to be free. And you know, my mission, my company's mission, and my mission is to add a million years, 1 million years to the lives of pets that we serve. And we'll do that through Gussie's gut and we'll do that through the digital course. And it's really important to me that we, we help people, um, you know, just come back to nature and use nature to help their, their dogs thrive.
1: Would you give us just a little bit of the origin story of Gussie's gut? And is that Gussie pictured on the package?
3: That Yeah, that's my dog Gus. And uh, it, his, his actual name is Gusto. It's Italian for zest for life. Um, he's, he's, lives up to that name he got into the trash i'll make a long story short he got into the trash didn't eat for i think it was five days total um and and then didn't drink for the last two so seven days it was getting really bad and then he was in the he he hadn't gone to the bathroom um at all because he you know for two days he wasn't drinking he wanted to go out to the bathroom and i was like what's going on he pooped out this plastic <laughs> bottle cap that he'd gotten in the trash and it had obstructed his guts. Now we we'd done the sonogram and everything. And I went to a specialty place for, for it and they couldn't find it. So we didn't know why he wasn't eating and then not drinking. So it was very, very, very worrying. And we did blood tests on him. Nobody, we couldn't find anything. And so once he did that, once he pooped out, he let out a little yelp. I'll never forget the yelp. It was a, you know, and uh, it was a very high pitch. And he went right to basically two hours later wanted to eat. I, I, I showed him something he wanted to eat. What had what ensued after that was really crazy poops. And I know you both know what I'm talking about. You could just tell like there's a big problem here. And so I started to look at ways I could naturally heal, use food. To heal his gut, not supplements um, I did reach for a little bit of probiotics, but um, when I started to research probiotics, I realized how woefully um, there is a huge Delta between what a dog's microbe what what microbes exist in a in a dog and what probiotics exist for you to give your dog yeah and The true, true, truth, big truth here is all the best vets in the world, and we talk to them all the time on our podcast, and you do too, none of them know exactly what each probiotic is supposed to do. They can tell you, well, this and this probiotic can stop diarrhea, but it pretty much is limited to diarrhea. Okay, well, that's useful because diarrhea is not a good thing, chronic diarrhea. But beyond that, what's giving overall gut health? So I started to study this. And what I realized is this is all during the pandemic. And what I started to realize was that um, it was really at Whole Foods, just like my diet had been for uh, I put my dog on raw 19 late 1999 with Dr. Billinghurst. Those were my first uh, my first dog and then my second dog and Gus is my third, and Labradors. And so I went back to nature, went back to Whole Foods, and then started fermenting it on my own. And once I saw the results in him, he had completely rebounded. Then I called up Dr. Billinghurst, I said, "'Hey, you won't remember me. "'We, we spoke, we did consults 23 years ago, "'but can we get back, can we do Zoom now?' "'Cause we were doing phone calls, "'it was back in those days.' And can we do a zoom? And so I showed him what, what I had learned. And he just said, you know, this is up until now, all we really had was yogurt, kefir and tripe, but in Australia, it's really difficult to get tripe. And so he was really excited to, to break the code here for, you know, gut health through fermented foods.
1: Nice. How long did it take you to come up with like what this formula was going to be and, you know, source all of these like ingredients? I mean, because it's a lot of different ingredients in there.
3: Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's 19 – thank you. It's 19 superfoods and those include tubers and greens and vegetables and herbs. And we – what we did is we looked at what is number one most beneficial, the most potent superfoods for the gut. Like if you and superfoods is an overused term, but I like to use it because it's just easy. We then said, what are people really not that much giving their dogs? Like what's, you know, what's hard to get? What's a pain to prepare? What do people not want? And so we try to find that happy medium, but we changed the formula three times. And we in the first year, we changed the formula. And the third iteration was we had so many people asking us concerned we didn't believe it was completely founded but it was a concern of oxalates and so-called anti-nutrients that we took away those we switched our ingredients and we went to a very low uh, oxalate formula which is what we have today
1: yeah, I've been using it. I just uh, adopted a new dog uh, about six weeks ago. And so it was so funny that the rescue brings her over with this bag of kibble and I was, you know, horrified that there was kibble in my house, you know, for the first time in, you know, ten or twelve years. And uh so that's one of the things that we've had her on, you know, since we brought her in is getting in the Gussie's gut and getting her on brawl and trying to get her she has red sore paws and things like that so it's it's been fun so far you know seeing her and just seeing how excited she gets about food and it's just been been fun getting to do
3: that uh with her so far nice congratulations
1: and that's a that's
0: the thing that i i wish people would understand it's like feeding our dogs should be fun <laughs> because it's like cool. we get to do whatever we want i get to feed my i mean this morning my dogs i mean i can feed um raw eggs but i don't like their food to be super cold so i made eggs over easy and just (laughs) broke them over over their meals i i always say that i feel like i'm guy fieri (laughs) when i'm making a meal for my dogs and i try to make it pretty it it ends up looking a a hot mess anyway and they don't care but i so does mine. you know i feel pretty special you know i mean it's just like it's it's fun and and you know it's again not complicated or at least it doesn't have to be and What I, you know, I appreciate is the statement I was writing notes down because when um, we finish this, I'll be taking snippets out and I was doing time codes. It's like, oh, this is good. Um, But, you know, just like the imperfection over perfection is so freeing because that's where I feel people, even people who, who've been following me for years, but they are afraid still to switch because they're afraid of doing something wrong to their dog. Yeah. And I often tell people it's like the first probably two years that I fed my dogs a raw diet, I technically wasn't doing complete and balanced according to what other people say. And even till today, there are people who I occasionally get a message from people telling me how irresponsible it is for me to be sharing what I'm doing because it's not complete and balanced. And I just go, OK, and yeah, just, it this is like, it's, it's, it's what works for my
3: dogs. comes come to the territory. <laughs>
0: yeah it's like it's
2: okay this is an important principle that the body when it's fed real food homeostatic mechanisms know what to take even if it is not complete and balanced towards according to avco which is really based on processed pet food anyway so it hasn't bears no relevance to real food the body takes what it requires and also the body you know things like b vitamins they say oh so they're not stored well, of course they are if they weren't would be dead in about three days' time because all our ATP production would shut down and that would be the end of us. None of that is true. A lot of what we're taught in biology, it's just not true and certainly this complete imbalance. That's an absolute myth. And I've seen dogs that have been fed, and I'm thinking now of one particular one. It was a a Maltese. It lived to 18 and its owner who happened to be a relative, said, oh, I only ever feed her meat. That was him. I only feed him meat. But when you dig down, you see that this dog was also getting scraps of bones and lots of her food, and it was digging in the garden and getting all sorts of things and insects, and, and it was running in a field and eating poop dogs will naturally particularly if given the chance balance their own diet but they don't it doesn't need a lot but one of the most important things is feeding it raw meaty bones because a raw meaty bone in and of itself is almost a complete diet so close it doesn't matter you can just feed that now your pups might get a bit hard or not yours but the dogs but uh, <laughs> Maybe you can balance that out with a little bit of uh, extra virgin olive oil, whatever, but truly and really, the dog, this whole concept of complete and balanced, that's a legal prerogative, as uh, uh, Rob was saying earlier, when you produce a product. It has to say these things. But let's face it, nothing from your butcher or or anything, in the even in the centre of the supermarket for humans, Nothing compl- co- uh, says that it's complete and balanced it doesn't we, we don't have to have that rule so this is a, a very special set of rules we put together for our dogs biologically absolutely pointless
3: and i i'll I'll, in, I'll inject something that is just, is the opposite of complete and balanced we we could have and I will bet you we do have dogs that whether they're just supplementing kibble. Uh, diets or real food or raw food diets with, um, supplements, you in the opposite of complete balance could be happening. You could have, um, excess and dangerous. Mm -hmm. So, you know, nobody knows unless you're, you're doing blood tests all the time on your dogs. You don't know that your dog needs all that zinc Mm -hmm. and you don't need your, you know, your dog needs all of that, you know, um, the phosphorus and calcium and all that stuff. And if it, with a raw food diet, you, people don't know that your dog can, can be missing because of whole foods, your dog can be missing, I don't know, X ingredient for several weeks, several months. And that's probably not going to happen if you're fairly knowledgeable on, on just some basics of feeding raw, but, it's, you're not going to have any negative health benefits because your dog didn't get some, I like to use zinc because I see that all the time on social media. Um, it's always a, it's always like a supplement du jour on social media. You know, I start to notice like, oh gosh, they're talking about vitamin D today. Oh boy. You know, and you know, I know you both probably see that more than me, but, um, it's, it's, It's really important to be honest with yourself that if you start playing around with mother nature with supplements, it's, you got to know what you're doing and you got to be very, very, um, very, very honest with yourself that really it's only through blood tests are you going to know whether your dog's getting what it needs or too much of it. And then you better make sure the source is really good because I won't give anything to my dog's unless I know the source is super pure and I know where that's coming from, you know, so, and not every supplement's great.
2: And the other thing is this, that real food, the dog, the dog's body will reject if it's in those right rough proportions of evolutionary new food combining, if you will, um, the dog will simply reject what, what the extra food it doesn't need or the extra nutrients it doesn't need. Cause that's what it's done for millions of years. But as you say, when you supplement, you really do need blood tests. But then the question still arises, do we really know what those blood levels mean? And do those blood levels reflect what is actually going on in the dog's body in terms of excess or deficiency? And the answer is probably not. So once again, just feed real food in approximate proportions. And the dog's body, honed by millions of years of evolution, have worked out all the cybernetic pathways to deal with it. You Amen. don't have to worry about it. It just happens. Beautiful. Yeah.
3: And and one last thing is the same thing on the gut microbiome. We have tests that can tell you, well, your dog has this many of this microbe and this many of this microbe. Okay, so now what?
0: Yeah. What does that mean? <laughs>
3: No, no vet. No vet will tell you what to do. No vet can tell you what to do. None. None of them. And again, we are, we're fortunate. We get to talk. I get to have lunch dinners with the best vets in the world, and they all privately will tell me. Sometimes we'll, they won't say it publicly, but they'll privately tell me. We don't know anything about the microbiome. We can't manipulate it. So we go to. It's like first principles. We we go back. We always focus on super super clean nutrients, whole foods, real foods, and functional uh, foods. Because every vegetable, grass, herb, uh, tuber, they have functions to them. Mm -hmm. And we only ferment them so that they're easier to digest, get more benefit out of each one of those ingredients, and then give you this great gut benefit with pro, pre, sorry, pre, pro, and postbiotics. And Uh, so we're focused, we're focused on just like let nature do the best, um, hardest jobs because as people, we still don't know, we still don't get it. You know, the, the, the testing machines aren't good enough. The science isn't there on the microbe and, and perfectly on dialing in nutrition for each one of us and our animals. So, uh, if you focus on good quality uh, principles, you're going to be, you're going to be happy. Yeah.
1: Well, we'll make sure that we have links in the show notes so that everybody can check out the course. I'm very excited about this. And, uh, of course, to Gussie's gut also. And we're so grateful for your time today.
0: Yes, thank you
1: so much. This was a
0: lot of fun. Uh,
2: it's it's always fun. And, by the way, I talk about the microbiome at numerous points throughout the course.
1: <laughs> That's the buzzword right now, right? <laughs> right,
0: Yeah.
2: But it's thank odd... you guys so
0: much. I really appreciate it.
1: Thank you so much.
3: I'm going to just say one last thing for Dr. <laughs> Billinghurst. Just for this is for Dr. Billinghurst. Can I do that?
1: Sure. Yeah,
3: absolutely. Okay. So, the course is under the Billinghurst Institute and it's billinghurst.institute um www. billinghurst.institute. If you uh, over time if you watch us over the next year, uh, what you will see is some of the best vets in the world creating the best courses they've ever created there. What we want to do again is to, to meet our mission of a million, adding a million years to the dog's lives that we uh, serve. We, we believe that educating these pet parents with these incredible concepts and keeping things very simple and helping people, giving people easier answers to their questions and concerns. That's what we're doing here at Billinghurst Institute. So I'm really proud, you know, to be associated with the whole project. And, you know, this is Dr. Billinghurst's big, you know, this is his big school. If it was a physical school. Could say his swan song. <laughs> it, well, yeah, it could be a swan song. You could just it's that always I make I feel like that's over a diving board. Like you just be diving into a pool.
2: Never, I've never heard a swan sing actually but anyway
3: well that's
1: very exciting because you know Kimberly and I want we just always want to know everything about everything so <laughs> you're speaking our language
0: <laughs> absolutely thank you guys so much this was a lot of fun
1: absolutely
2: thank you ladies thank you very much great to be here